Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. On today's episode, I have Adam Michelaney with me today. He is our Chief Data Science Officer and Vice President of Insights here at Paylocity. So Adam, thanks for joining me today. Excited to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. You recently wrote an article for our blog called Top HR Metrics to Track During COVID-19. And I found it really, really insightful to think about the changes in how HR professionals are thinking about data right now. So I want to start with the question that, you know, HR professionals in general, we spend a lot of time collecting and analyzing data. Um, Some people will talk about it like Excel is our superpower. Um, But as we look at data now, how has that process changed or should change during crises like we're experiencing now? Yeah, I think in times of crises, it's really more important that you are collecting and relying on data. Uh, In a a crisis like this, there's just so much noise and anecdotal feedback that's getting passed around, some of it in one direction, some of it in another direction. So having access to metrics and having access to data to kind of anchor your decision-making and help figure out what your priorities as an HR uh, HR leader and HR decision maker um, should be, you know, anchoring on that data is really especially important during times like this. In terms of the actual process of collecting it, um, you know, I think I think ideally we would have all had robust data collection practices set up ahead of time before the crisis, right. but we all know that that's just not the reality, right? Um, and so. You know, collecting the data can be a little bit harder right now than, than maybe it would have been if we would have done it ahead of time, but but it is especially important. What data should we look be looking at now more in-depth than we did before our crisis? Yeah, I mean, I think before, specifically around just ensuring contact information and kind of demographic information about about your employee base is especially important now. So, you know, most of us had to fill out an emergency contact form when we joined an organization, but employees are typically not very good about keeping up to date on that. HR professionals, we're not always typically great about, you know, asking employees to update that. Uh, but just simply tracking things like, you know, what percentage of employees do we have emergency contact information for? That's hugely important in times of a crisis like this as well. Also, just making sure that we have uh, mobile numbers um, to contact our employees. You know, what happens if uh, our corporate communications like email or Slack or something like that aren't going through or somebody's in the hospital? Like, do we have a way to reach somebody in a time of a crisis like this? Again, like that's something that we probably all filled out when we first joined our company, but probably haven't updated recently. So it's extra important that we're tracking that data now. Um, so that we can continue to communicate with our employees or or their significant others in, in, in an emergency. Yeah, one of the things that we recently released in our own dashboards was this emergency look that talks about some of that data that you should think about um, collecting, even if you don't have it now, now might be an opportunity for you to reach out to your employees and collect that data so that you have it in whichever HCM platform you're using. 
Yeah, absolutely. We released this emergency setup dashboard within our data insights product. And the background of that dashboard is really interesting. You know, we spent a lot of time talking with clients during uh, this COVID crisis about what problems they're having and how Paylocity can help them. And we found that a lot of clients were writing custom reports to pull this information, uh, bring that into Excel and analyze, you know, where, what, what departments do they have this information for? What are the departments they don't have this information for? And then take action on that. So, you know, we felt that it was our obligation to help our employees out um, and try to automate this as much as possible. So we decided to just quickly drop our other priorities and release this emergency setup dashboard really quickly so that we could help our customers in this in this COVID-19 crisis. Uh, feedback on this dashboard's been been very, very positive. Uh, a lot of customers have been able to really significantly move the needle and make sure that they do have all of this contact information, emergency information for all of their, their employees, which will just really expedite things as uh, the situation becomes more chaotic. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, if you don't have a tool like that, that you can utilize, you can do it in Excel, right? I mean, I think we're all familiar with that. Um, when we think about a forward mindset and not getting stuck in the now with the data that you know we typically looked at, what are the things that we should be evaluating from a data perspective to prepare us for what comes next? Um, you know, coming out of crisis mode or the new normal that we're going to experience. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could have a. It, it'll be really interesting to see how this unfolds. There's a, a National Bureau of Economic. Uh, research paper that came out earlier this week, kind of talking about what economists thought the consensus was, what was going to happen with the consensus on on the COVID-19 economic recovery. And, you know, my my uninformed reading of this was, you know, it seems like there's a consensus that there's going to be a a, a speed V recovery, but the the timelines that people were estimating were varying radically from six months to five years, huge variance. Wow. So what comes next is kind of an unknown. Yeah. So, I mean, what comes next is kind of an unknown for for all of us, I think. But, you know, at some point this crisis will end uh, and like we are going to come out of this. I, I think there's some steps that we can take as HR professionals now to to make that uh, that recovery when it happens. Even if we even if we don't know when it happens, we know that it will happen. Uh, is there some steps we can take to make that a little bit easier? Um, one of those is, you know, really identifying like what are your critical roles within your organization and ensuring that you have kind of a business continuity plan to support those critical roles. You know, is there that one person in your organization that only knows how to keep and maintain those, uh, that one key system that you need to keep your business running? And then as we come out of this crisis, is that an area where maybe you want to beef up staffing and make sure that you don't have that dependency on that employee? I think preparations like that are things that we we should start looking at uh, for when this crisis is over. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think a lot of companies probably have a person like that that you just mentioned, um, and maybe the system isn't a critical one, but maybe it is. And making sure that you're putting plans in place and and using your data to look at those things. How do you see data in this new way having an impact on a company's culture during this time? Sure. Well, I think. Uh, you know, this COVID-19 crisis is really of um, companies that have a culture of remote work and em- employee engagement are are faring quite a bit better during this crisis. Uh, also, companies that have well-established accountability systems 
that you know measure the output of their employees or the value of their employees and, and not um, not the inputs into that. So let, let me explain what I mean. You know, companies that know, um, you know, that for example can can measure, you know, what's the value that Adam McElhaney brings to an organization. Uh, even if I'm not in the office because of a crisis like this, uh, if they can still know that and measure that, they can still hold their employees accountable versus I've heard stories of companies installing software on their remote workers, employees, computers that, you know, will take pictures of them to make sure that they're actually at their desk. But I think if you've done a good job of structuring your team such that you actually are able to define expectations for your roles and measure employees based on their output with respect to those expectations, those companies are faring a lot better. Also companies that just have invested in IT infrastructure to support remote work, things like video conferencing or using a uh, employee collaboration tool like Paylocity Community or finding this kind of transition a, a lot easier than, uh, than companies that kind of have historically relied on that face-to-face -face culture. Yeah, and I think a lot of companies are um, were thrown in the deep end with that, and so they're trying to figure out, you know, what are the best practices and learning from other companies that are are going through that. Um, to wrap it up, I know that this was a short episode. We just wanted to highlight some things you should be thinking about from a data perspective, but wondering if you could share some of um, the top five things that you had shared in your blog post article about um, what are what are the pieces of data that you should look at to know what you're working with? You'd, you'd mentioned five different ones, and I thought that would be pretty interesting for you to share that with the audience and um, help them wrap their mind around why those are the big five they should be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I, I think number one is uh, the exposure risk level for, for COVID-19 for your workforce. Um, so OSHA... Uh, has given guidance on preparing workspaces for COVID-19, and they they actually designate workers into four categories: so very high, high, medium, and lower risk. And they've done a really good job of kind of designating what workers fall into each category. So something that I think is really important that employers are thinking about right now is looking at everyone within their organization and classifying them into those four buckets. You know, for some organizations. Uh, they're going to have nobody in those very high or high buckets. And, you know, some organizations, other organizations, you know, namely healthcare organizations or things like that may have the majority of their employees in the, the very high or high buckets. Uh, based on kind of where your employees fall within those buckets and the percentage at each bucket, you know, you're going to have to drastically reprioritize uh, what, what your team is working on and, and how uh, HR departments are supporting the business. Yeah, and you might even take uh, a look at, um, depending upon those different buckets, what types of re benefit resources you can provide to those different groups as well. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point there. Uh, the other one is just, what are the number of locations that you have and the number of employees per location? You know, we, we talk with a lot of customers, like particularly customers that have high percentages of seasonal or contract employees. Uh, and maybe it's like a franchise or there's just like a large number of physical locations and just making sure like, you know, where, where are all the locations that we operate in, who's currently employed and what location are they working out of? Um, just looking at that will then help you understand, you know, what's your risk profile for each of those locations. And then you can kind of further layer on some information about the criticality of each of those locations. You know, obviously, New York's suffering really badly right now. So if you have a critical operation in the New York area uh, with a couple hundred employees or a significant percentage of your workforce, that's obviously an area that's going to be very, very critically impacted. 
And, you know, just having that information in your fingertips means as the, the virus kind of evolves and spreads, uh, you'll be able to anticipate what, what the next bottleneck for your organization would be um, as the virus continues to spread. Mm-hmm. The third one we really encourage employers to look at is just simply what percentage of employees have paid sick leave. You know, one of the one of the things that has really come up during the COVID-19 pandemic is um, uh, employees that don't have paid sick leave are frequently showing up to work when they, they actually are, are not feeling well, and that's resulting in a lot more disease transmission and spread. Um, so this might be an area where you want to take some type of temporary action or, you know, the Families First Act may, may actually mandate some changes to, to how you're thinking about those benefits for your employees. Yeah, I think that's a really good call out to think about what flexibility you can provide there for your company. And um, maybe it's driven by Families First Act, like you, like you mentioned. Um, you know, I know here at Paylocity, we've added an additional six, six emergency sick days, um, which has definitely benefited our population. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of good feedback about that. And we've heard a a lot of our customers reacting in similar ways as well. Um, The other, the other metric, I kind of talked about this one briefly, but you know, it's really important that you understand like what are the critical roles within your organization and what are the areas where you don't have that business continuity plan? You know, we we talked about um, that might be an area to invest in as we start to come out of this crisis. And a lot of companies, a lot of customers we're talking to, they didn't actually know what those critical roles were or where those gaps existed kind of until, until the crisis hit, right? Until um, they, that one person got sick and they realized that, that we can't run this key business process that, that we're depending on. Um, again, the more proactive with analysis you can do for that, um, the, the less you'll be taken by surprise. Yeah, definitely. And then the last, and the last one too is just simply what percentage of your employees are using direct deposit. So, you know, we, there's all these statistics about, being detectable on surfaces for days, um, and just just things are things are harder. Like pick, the process of picking up a check, a physical check, and taking it to the bank uh, and using it to pay your bills is is just more complicated now than it used to be. So really encouraging your, your employees to use that direct deposit functionality is uh, something that's really going to benefit you as an employer, but it's benefit the health and safety of your employees. I like that you you use the word encourage your employees to do it because it's definitely something you can't mandate um, in a lot of states. So you want to make sure that you are, uh, like you said, talking about the benefits because things are a little bit more trickier to accomplish now than they were before we were in this crisis mode. Yeah. And, you know, talking with employers, like we definitely have seen an adoption of an increase in adoption of direct deposit. And, you know, for many employees, it was something that, you know, they wanted to get around to, but they just kind of never got the time. And, you know, the bank might have been on their way home anyway, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But now, obviously, it's just like we said, it's just harder. It's just more important now than ever. And employees, obviously, you know, the bills don't stop just because there's a pandemic. So for them getting paid um, in a timely, convenient fashion is extra important now. Yeah, well, Adam, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me. I will uh, definitely post the link to the blog post that Adam did if you want to read the additional recommendations he had. But again, Adam, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you, Sherry.